Welcome to the Boy Meets World podcast. Here today making his podcast debut is my man Zach Peggins. Zach and I talked about the lighter side of the Seahawks demise and the end of the Richard Sherman tenure in Seattle. Uh, we then hopped over to talk about how UW basketball is on the rise and the future of the program. Enjoy it. Peg? Yo, Kimi. Yes, sir. Perfect. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I haven't used Skype in a minute. I know. It's uh, I had never, ever used it before the podcast career started. Do you got, you got a nice studio set up over there? Yeah, it's my bedroom, uh, <laughs> which is one of the two rooms in my house, so that, that works out real well. It's, uh, you ever watch Hustle and Flow? <laughs> yes. You know when they got the the, the, the styrofoam trays everywhere? Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. That's perfect. I'm like the skinny guy that was sweating the whole movie. <laughs> Not to look that up right now. Yeah, help it help Terrence Howard out. <laughs> so, uh, funny story about your hometown that came up at work the other day. I I sit next to this guy who's from from Rhode Island, and he. He, all of a sudden, in the middle of the day, he's like, "You ever heard of?" Uh, he's like, "Do you know Yakima?" And I was like, <laughs> "And I was, I thought he's talking to a person." And I was like, "I, uh, I don't know who you're talking about." And he's like, "Yakima, Washington." And I was like, "I really don't know who that is. It's very specific." <laughs> and then he's like, "Huh? You've never been there?" And I was like, "Oh, you mean Yakima? Top, top, uh, yeah, Yak Town, dude. Yeah, top car New York City. per capita, right?" <laughs> yeah. Wait. So- it was- so why so why do you bring up Yakima? I don't even know. I, I kind of tuned And he's out from Rhode there. Island? He is from Rhode Island. So Yeah. It's it's Put Yaktown on the map, dude. Exactly. You, well you gotta do a better job because it's not spreading across the country yet. Uh, I'll, I'll be sure I'll be sure to do that. Yeah. Got a rep. What is it? Rainier and that's about it, right? The wine, car thefts. <laughs> you gotta work on your branding. <laughs> Someday I, I could be worse. Could be worse. Uh, all right. Exactly. Well, let's uh, let's hop right into it. We'll talk a little bit of a uh, little Richard Sherman, Seattle Seahawks news, and then also our our glorious, fabulous, um, you know, crystal ball or or crystal Fabergé egg of a coach, I should say, uh, <laughs> Mike Hopkins. Um, first off, we're connected spiritually with Richard Sherman, you and I, because you and I were both working a UW soccer game in the pouring rain. As we found out, or as we saw, like via you know, the ESPN app, essentially, that Sherm had done the pick six against Houston um, in the Super Bowl year. That was that was quite a moment. Oh yes, I I forgot about that under the, under the tent right next to the uh, Husky team shop. That's under right. Under the tent. Yep. And this yeah. is the one where he where he lost his shoe running running back. Oh yeah, I forgot an element of that. Yeah, I forgot about that part. That's always that's always the worst about working games and like watching the Seahawks games via like ESPN GameCast. Yeah, yeah, we're lucky. Uh, the Husky football team wasn't that good when we were. Well, I mean, yeah, for both the years you were working there, we weren't that <laughs> yeah. good. Where you weren't missing too much. Uh, no, yeah. But those sun those Sundays, really those Sundays hurt. those Sunday soccer games or like Monday night volleyball games, especially when there was a there was a little bit of Saturday still hanging on you if you didn't catch my <laughs> Yep. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that, that wouldn't be Forno's Lemonade. That would just be, I don't know, it would be a lot of Keystone come a Sunday morning. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so looking back on Sherm, where do you stand on on 
how kind of the the way it broke down is is uh, you know his contract was up and it was either they continue to or they keep him uh, and pay him a little bit more than they probably would have wanted to, or they let him go. They informed him that they're going to let him go, uh, and then San Fran gave him an offer. The Hawks didn't match, and now he is a San Francisco 49er. Where do you stand on? Was it the right move or was it the wrong move to get rid of Sherm? I mean, I feel like it's tough to say to kind of call it out right now. If it's a bad move, a good move. I want to see like what we do in this offseason. Like, are we gonna like how are we gonna fill in that role? Mm-hmm. But like my first reaction though was just like, okay, like I respect it. Like Sherm wants to get his money. Sounds like we're kind of like hesitant on the whole his injury. Like, is he gonna be the same? Because what he's going, he's 29 now. I think he turns 30 here soon. Mm-hmm. And like, it's crazy. Like in sports, how someone can go from 29 to 30, and like we automatically consider him as old. Like right. how he's like like at the end of his prime, I guess. And so at first I was kind of like, okay, well that sucks. We're gonna lose Sherm. And I was just in the back of my head. I'm like, please do not go to the Niners and do not go to the Patriots. You can go anywhere else but those places, you know? Yep. And so then once he once he did sign the Niners, I was kind of like, all right. I mean, I kind of respect the petty move. Like now now we're gonna see you two times a year. Um, but I think just in terms of saying it's a bad move, a good move by us, I think I want to wait until made to the offseason to the training camp, see who we picked up in the draft or who we traded for, picked up in free agency to kind of decide whether it's a good or bad move. Right. I think the only way this ends up being a bad move is if Sherm is a pro bowler this year and probably even a pro bowler again the next season. Because oh, for sure. yeah. If, he, if he's a pro bowler and he gets like a pick six here in CenturyLink, yeah. you already know he's, he's going to look He's gonna look directly at Pete Carroll, probably look up Schneider up in his booth. I th- like that would be that would be the absolute worst. He knows Century Link Field pretty well. I th- I would think at that point he just goes into the tunnel, goes straight up into the owner's box, and, <laughs> and points at Paul Allen, and, and yeah, he, he gives him the Crabtree treatment. Like can you imagine, like I'm not 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 to curse us or jinx us or anything. Can you imagine game winning drive, and Sherman gets the, the game the game ending pick on us, something like that, like something like that. Like that would be, yeah, the most. That would be the worst. I think I think that's everyone's nightmare scenario. But honestly, I th- I think this is this is a a weirdly like self aware move for the Hawks where it's like the Mariners totally would have re-signed Richard Sherman. Like, they, they, oh like yeah, if, if that was <laughs> if, if that was an option, they would have totally brought him back. And and you know as we've seen with with uh, number fifty one this this coming season, first chance you get to sell a bobblehead or sell more jerseys, the Mariners yeah. are right there for it. But but the Seahawks in a rare move in Seattle in general uh, of, of just cutting ties with a guy when it, when it might be time. Um, who knows? We'll find out. Like you said, we kind of need to wait, but uh, I think all intents and purposes, like this is, this is a shrewd move. Cause I, as we're seeing with all the other stuff that's happening with the Hawks, they don't think it's going to happen this year. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think it's just something that Seahawks fans, we kind of have to deal with. Like, it is we're most likely going through another kind of like a small rebuilding phase. You know, but it just sucks to see everyone else in our league. Like, you see the Niners getting hot. You got the Rams making big moves this offseason. So it's kind of just tough just to kind of deal with that. But I think we just have to go with it and just try, kind of just trust the process. Shout out to Joe Embiid. Hell yeah, you know he's listening. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, what, are, what are the odds that, that we're now, like, the Seahawks have an under-the-table deal with Sherman to uh, to be a mole in San Francisco and – and uh, do it like a, a Tanya Harding to oh just destroy to, that locker room yeah exactly just just blow it up <laughs> he, he's our mole I, I I would be down just to cause some controversy in there and not even play next year but just be that guy yeah 
Yeah, it's not it's not a difficult role for him to play. It's not like we're asking you know like Matt Hasselbeck to play that role. It's uh, <laughs> you know it's like no, yeah, Sherman's sure, sure pretty good at it. It's kind of like what he does, you know. Yeah, yeah. Him, and, him, and, him and Isaiah Thomas are like the best <laughs> unintentional locker room bombs ever. Are you so like I mean obviously you're gonna cheer against Sherman when he's a Niner, but are you kind of still a Sherman fan? Oh yeah, I I think. That leads, you know, kind of into what we were talking about before. Is is Sherman was was incredible to the city and Seattle sports in general. Like like you and I had never really had. I mean, I always say to to, to my friends out here on the East Coast, like like oh, you know, you've been a Seahawks fan your whole life, and I kind of I kind of look at the Seahawks as like two different eras. Like the yeah, you know, the the Sean Alexander, Hasselbeck, yeah. Walter Jones era. Like that team made a Super Bowl. But that team had no, nowhere close to the same amount of influence in the city that the Seahawks do now. And I think that's in part to, to Sherman and kind of the, the ego that he brought to the team. Yeah, just like that, that swag. Like, I feel like with the Legion of Boom, you had, like, you had Thomas kind of got the leader. You had Cam Bam, you know, the, big, the big hitter. And then, yes, Sherman kind of that trash talker, but he's so good at backing it up. Yeah, you know? right, and especially in big moments. I mean, I crystallized with the, with the, the Crabtree tip. In the NFC Championship, were you in Whistler for that game? No, I was just about to say I was not in Whistler. I was still back in the Greek system. I, I didn't go to that one. Not were a bad there? place to be. No, yeah, I was. <laughs> I was in Whistler. And, Which bar were you in? Buffalo Bills. Uh, I think we had actually left the bar at the end of the third quarter because I think that was kind of the like we we might have had some some uh, some soldiers that we had to drop off at the hotel. <laughs> And then, so we watched the rest of the game back at the hotel. And, I, and I, if I remember correctly, the, the Hawks had it pretty good in that game. And then uh, Kaepernick kind of led the charge to get the, the Niners back in. And it looked like we were like we were boned uh, until that play. Yeah, I remember because Snapchat wasn't that big at the time, right? So like, we didn't see like everyone's reactions. Right. Right? So like, I that remember... Was, that might have been pre-stories. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely pre-stories. I don't know how we even survived without Snapchat, right, in college? <laughs> yeah, um, honestly. But, yeah, I remember most of the houses at Whistler, so it was, like, me and a couple other guys just watching this game, the formal, thinking, like, we got this one in the bag, and then Kaepernick kind of goes back on that run. I'm like, oh, gosh, this cannot, this is not going to happen right now. Yeah. And then I think I think, I think that Aaron Andrews interview will always be an iconic moment in Seattle sports history. Exactly. I mean, he, he doubled it down with – I mean, the thing about that Andrews interview is that – it is so realistic. Like it, like if if you or I or pretty much any person that has never been media trained uh, made a play like that, and then someone put a microphone in your face afterwards, <laughs> you would of course be screaming nonsense into that camera as as Sherman did after that. Oh, definitely. And like, even the way he reacted right after the play, going up to Crabtree, putting put his hands to shake his hand. Yeah. You know like that that will always be iconic moment here for me at least as a sports fan. Yeah, there's a couple with Sherm. Uh, even the year before that, when he kind of announced himself, if if you think about it, like the the you mad bro tweet to Brady, oh, yeah. to Brady, like you mad bro was already tired then, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and like even like the the meme font that he uses, and I think it's like a, kind of a grainy picture. Like it just shows you like six years ago, uh, what like Twitter petty kind of looked like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he kind of kicked open that door of like athletes immediately taken to Twitter uh, after a game, um, and just something that we never really had with those those Sean Alexander teams. Like that that team was, those teams were just quiet. Like they were just good and quiet, and there was no personality really. 
Um, that might have been part of what made them good, but it just was was not as easy for the casual fan to catch on to as the kind of our our college year Seahawks teams. No, definitely. Did you ever watch the the real Rob Report? I I would a little bit. I know you were more on that than I was. Um, but yeah, those those were uh, that, yeah that was that was kind of groundbreaking stuff back then. No, definitely. Like I wish. I mean, I wish it would still continue that kind of stuff. Um, but with Sherm, like another one of my favorite moments with him was <laughs> against the Redskins when he got punched at the end of the game. Oh, was that Trent Williams that punched him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that would always live on. And then his Twitter beef with Darrell Revis. Yes. Yeah, that w- that was back when every single NFL cornerback was saying that they were the best cornerbacks. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, as as if there was a way to, to to prove that. I remember like Joe Hayden got involved, and then then it just got more and more ridiculous. Like, uh, I don't even I can't even tell you some some like the essentially the Kelly Jennings of of corners in that era <laughs> decided like I'm I'm the best. Like Brent Grimes got involved. I know. Um, yeah, everyone's just, starting, just everyone's just adding each other. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think. It's like Sherman, like everyone, everyone talks about Russell Wilson, you know, and, and how he was making less than the long snapper when the Seahawks were at their peak. And that allowed them to, to go out and get, you know, Michael Bennett and Cliff Averill and, and upgraded every position that they needed to, yada, yada, yada. But like the same thing goes with Sherman. He was he was on that cheap rookie deal up until after the, the second Super Bowl against New England. Um, and, and like that whole kind of, I, I compare it to like, you know, to shout shouts out to, to the two oh six, but but Dick's burgers have just like it is so so cheap and so good and that allows you to, <laughs> to spend money elsewhere. Um you know, and that that's kind of like that whole era was defined yeah. by just drafting really well and having really good players for cheap. No, definitely. I think um one I want to take back saying that this is gonna be like a rebuild rebuilding season because I feel like when we have Russ, like you we always have a chance, you know? Mm-hmm. I think I mean, like, what are your key? What are some key positions that we have to like revamp at this off season? I think I've said this before a couple times, but you almost have to play for for twenty nineteen. Um, you know, kind of. I I think okay. the, the Rams. You saw what they did this off season, going to get Peters, um, going. Uh, you know, kind of doubling down on a lot of their their needs this season on the line or on the offensive line. That you you kind of have this. It might not be this year, but you just can't you can't be out for two straight years. Like you gotta stay, no, yeah. you gotta stay kind of relevant. Mm. Um, gotta figure out the offensive line. You need a, you need just a game plan there so that we're not looking at this exact same situation last year. Basically, just don't look don't make the uh, the Ken Norton and uh, Brian shot or not yeah Brian Schottenheimer coaching decisions look bad a year from now because if we're still in yeah. that boat, then then we got problems. No, yeah, for sure. Because I, I would say that because. Seeing like Sherm gone, Bennett gone, Graham gone, P. Rich gone, it's just like that all sucks. But then I'm like, well, we still got Russ, you know, and like in Russ we yeah. trust, I guess, as cliche that sounds. Exactly. I mean, uh, yeah, I think Seahawks this year go eight and eight, nine and seven. I don't think that's a problem really, as long as some of the the bigger long term questions are are answered. And that's the thing about Russ is like you have a guy that you know can get to the Super Bowl, pay him whatever it needs, and then you figure out the rest of the roster. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Uh, so you mentioned a couple big Sherman moments. Um, I think he kind of like you think of the Seahawks jersey, like the the, the you know our sophomore year when the new jerseys came out. I think you just kind of like you picture the Sherman jersey, like it it yep. it, it was a defining piece of like apparel in, in the city. 
definitely. Do we, do we see any videos of people burning any Sherman jerseys? Did that come across <laughs> Twitter at all? That's super funny because I was thinking the same thing of like Sherman tweeted that out of like, come on, you guys are burning my jerseys. I was like, who? Who the hell is bur- <laughs> burning a Sherman jersey? Unless they're like dying for warmth in, in Alaska. I don't know yeah. if anyone actually was doing that. Like I did see a lot of jerseys go up on offer up, like a lot of Sherman yeah. and Graham jerseys. That's okay. Right. It was like but when uh, it was like when Kevin Love left Minnesota and they did that fake video of like how everyone was super pissed, but it's Minnesota and they they get taken <laughs> over in like five seconds. Yeah, yeah, it was that that was never gonna happen. Uh, but but good on him in classic Sherm fashion to to kind of ignite a fire that that wasn't there. Yeah, because what he signed because he well technically signed on Saturday, right? Yeah, well, I mean, if you ask the NFL, everyone everyone just signed today, but oh, true, true. <laughs> Yeah. But I thought, I, thought, I thought he would at least take a, a couple of different meetings. Like, I thought he was going to go to L.A. to the Chargers, like, go back home, you know, like, that whole story. Yeah. But, I mean, it makes sense. If you want to get back at, at Schneider, you go to the Niners. Yeah, I, I think that was kind of something that they pitched to him. Also, uh, not, rep- like, not having an agent. Oh, yeah. I don't know if yep. that's the best move. Um, like, you know, just have somebody look at your stuff for you. <laughs> But that's all right. I, th- I I think that he legitimately just wanted one situation that, that was good for him, prove himself, and then uh, maybe even get a bigger paycheck next year. So why pay an agent twice if you only need to pay one once? You think he's being ready by the season? That's the thing. Is is I mean I w- I wouldn't rush it if I were him, um, especially knowing that like you know he's basically playing for that next year's contract if he can get another yeah. one. Yeah. Um, so. I don't know. I, I think I think the the Niners signed him in full full recognition of of this is gonna be a, a like a week five on type thing because that, that yeah. I mean, he basically had the Kobe injury right the torn Achilles yeah so and that, that's gonna be at least a year and then it's gonna take a while for him to get his explosiveness back yeah so I mean now now and that's I mean. Sherman was he came into the NFL right in the the Calvin Johnson kind of era like as that was ending where that was the receiver that you had to to defend against was the guy you know going down the sideline um you know staying with him that type of thing the NFL doesn't really look there's still that guy but it's just it's so much less frequent frequent of force feeding a, a, a guy down the field it's it's you know kind of you see in the Super Bowl a lot of action happens in between the hashes and that was kind of always Sherman's flaw anyways, was going from, from sideline to sideline covering guys. So mm-hmm. as far as like a, you know, a future, future move, um, he, he was kind of a relic. And so I, I, I'm, I'm, I hope for the absolute best for him, but I think it's, it's, like I said, it's a shrewd move going forward. Yeah. I mean, do you, who, who do you see taking, stepping up, taking his spot? Griffin? I think, yeah. I think, I think it's Shaq Griffin. I think there was enough there. That's probably why you drafted him. Um, and, and I think, you know, if Shaq Griffin doesn't have the season he had last year, they probably don't make this move. Um, but, but because Griffin was so successful and so yeah. showed so much promise that you feel confident and just kind of throwing it to, to next year. What about you? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think Griffin will step up. I mean, honestly, think about it. Like I can see people next year, like watching games, like, cause Griffin's Griffin pretty much looks like Sherm with the dreadlocks, you know? Yeah. So it'd be kind of, Hey, we kind of like Sherm never actually left. Just pretend. Maybe he goes with the Earl Thomas, uh, you know, cuts the dreads, adds three three hash marks next to his name, kind of rebrands a little bit, <laughs> sell more jerseys. I was, so, I was so mad at Earl for doing that. Because you bought the jersey before. Yeah, and I was like, dude, guys with, guys with dreads, like they're automatically locked down uh, players, you know? Yeah. 
So, but I mean, obviously, I love ET still. But if he if he brings back the dreads, that would be that would be a goat. Got to think that that unlocked some some agility uh, with 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 Earl. Cut oh, for off. sure. Yeah. I mean, like when you create your Madden player, like I always had dreads in my Madden players back in the day. For sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, there was a while when when you know it was fair game. Like Troy Polamalu was getting his hair pulled every other play. <laughs> uh, I think well, it's funny. I'm thinking about jerseys in the city. I I was always hesitant to get a Hawks jersey as as the kind of the new era came. Um, <laughs> it's really a problem with NFL players is that their careers oh, yeah. are, are so short. But I'm I the only real holdover from that initial push, if I'm wrong. I mean, I guess it was it was Russ and maybe Doug Baldwin from those from that initial kind of breakthrough team in in 2012. Yeah, I mean. Wait, do you, do you not own any jerseys right now? No, I still rock the Joey Galloway. Oh, I mean, respect that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I was looking back at some old tweets I had, and I was, like, talking – I forgot who I was talking to, but I was like, okay, should I buy a Richard Sherman jersey or a Russell Wilson jersey? Mm-hmm. And I remember I spent, like, a month just trying to think about it. Yeah, it's hard. And then you got to think about yeah. color at that point. Exactly. Yeah, you don't want to be that guy to buy the jersey and you find out he gets cut or, like, he gets injured or something like that, you know? Right. Right, the Pete Carroll, the Pete Carroll uh, khakis was probably the best, best or the the what the the Nike foams. What does he what does he rock? Oh, that, dude, have some have some respect for the Nike Air Monarchs. <laughs> I, I'm I'm talking to the right person for it. Yeah, I uh, I think his his gum, his his headset. That's that's the one lasting thing about all this, and that's that's kind of the the league in general. Is it's more uh, it's more the front office that lasts more than the player. Sadly, no, yeah. At, at least we still have Pete Pete Carroll's uh, Air Monarchs. That's all that matters. Yeah, I mean. What do you, Pete's? He's definitely all in. I mean, he he fired he fired the good coaches and, and brought in his guys. Like like you know, he's he might be ninety five years old, but he is he is still gunning for another one. How many more years of of Pete Carroll do you think we have? Uh, are you putting Pete Carroll on the hot seat? I, he he's never getting fired. <laughs> he's never getting fired. Not in this city. Uh, well, I mean, he's the oldest coach right now, right? Oh, he's got to be. He's like the oldest human on the planet. I think. <laughs> But I feel like you can't even tell, like, in pregames, like, he's out there tossing the ball around, running around. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe Air Monarchs just, like, add, like, 10 years to your life. That's true. Yeah. I mean, you got uh, you got the good souls down there. I mean, your feet are feeling good. <laughs> the comfort. They look fresh. Yeah. Standing up sucks. Like, if you stand up for more <laughs> than two hours, like, I'm out. My back hurts. My, 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 my feet hurt. But, you know, if you got the right shoes on, more power to you. Uh, yeah, I think I think this is this is kind of, you know, we're gonna we're gonna keep seeing this type of, of attempt to stay relevant and or really good as long as Carroll's the guy. Once once Carroll's out, then the then the team might kind of fold in uh, from there. But yeah, it's it's uh, it's been quite a run uh, for the last almost what this is coming into Carroll's eighth year, I think, as as head coach. Yeah, I think I think he's still got a good a good amount of years left for sure. Yeah. I uh, definitely got the exuberance for it, but we can uh, we can go from that coach to talking about the other the the young gun. I don't know, Mike Hopkins is not young, but uh, as far as his, his coaching career is uh, is very young. First year head coach just ended the season twenty and twelve for the Dogs was named the Pac twelve Coach of the Year in just his first year as a head coach. Um, pretty crazy. I, I I don't think any of us expected this. No, not at all. And like your your blog post you posted last week was like perfect. Like that's exactly how how I felt. Yeah. Because it was like this time last year when Jen kind of put the cut it with um, Romar, and it's kind of like one of those for me. I was like, 
I get it, but I did kind of want to see that recruiting class come in, you know, sure. like maybe it was just like one year, but I mean, I, I knew it, like it was going to probably end up the same way how it always does, you know? Yeah. We can't, we can't do it inbounds play. <laughs> um, and so oh, it's, so that, that was tough to see like Porter and them all go. Did you think at all maybe Hopkins could convince Porter? I know they met before Porter like officially decided. Did you think there's any chance that Porter would stay? No, I think, and I think for all the reasons we're seeing now, like that whole, that whole like Michael Porter, Dad, Jonte, that whole like Porter, yeah. Porter connection is is real. Like you don't, it's too strong. You don't mess with that. Even though Matisse Thibault is dating uh, Michael Porter's uh, sister, that that was yeah, that was, that, that was the one I thing we that- had. When I found that out, I was like, that is a bold move to be dating your, your coach's daughter. I mean, hey, respect. I'm, that, that made me respect Matisse a little bit more even after hearing that. Yeah, Matisse is a real one. But, but uh, yeah, I mean, good good for him. But that was the only thing we really had to, to keep him, and that's really not anything. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, th- those porters were going to move in a pack, and I just thought it was it was way too late. My hope was that you could, you could keep Davis and Noel – that was yeah. That was mine as well. And that was so tough. And I think you know, for for you know, David Crisp, I still a maddening basketball player. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. like just just I, like we we could spend four hours talking about David Crisp. But uh, for all his faults, ended up having a pretty solid year. Uh, no, definitely for his for his standards, got a lot better and kind of staying under control. Still has some some problems with that. But I just thought you needed Davis as kind of like the point guard, the stabilizer, um, for both now and in the future, and that's that's what hurt the most. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think I think keeping Jalen Noel, Mike Hopkins said it, and you when he said it back then, when when Noel committed, I don't know, back in last April or May or whatever it was, to to stay with UW, he's like, this is the best or biggest recruit in UW history, and Def- yeah. Back then, you know, you didn't really know Hopkins, and so you're like, all right, he just likes to, you know, he's kind of <laughs> like the the Rob Palenka with the Lakers of just like uh-huh. Contavious Caldwell Pope is like signing Jesus or whatever it was. <laughs> uh, you thought it was like that, but no, he 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 legitimately means that, and you can kind of see why he was talking about that from a talent perspective, and then also keeping that that Seattle pipeline together. No, for sure, because like once we lost Davis to Stanford, and then I knew Jalen was thinking about going to Arizona because that's when Roma got picked up, picked up by him. Mm-hmm. I knew Romar and Jalen had a great relationship, especially with Jalen's like dad passing away. So I thought for sure, I was like, man, he's probably gonna go to Arizona and we're gonna lose this whole class. And so once he did uh, decide to stay with UW, like I knew that was gonna be huge. I didn't think I, I didn't think he's had the season he had. Like that surprised me a lot. Yeah, I mean he had what, thirty two in the first game against Belmont, um, and all the you know, just looked looked the part right away. Like he, he plays like he's twenty nine years old. Like yeah. he just kinda has an old man game, um, stuff that he's gotta to work on for next season. But uh, I think the order of operations, and I should know this off the top of my head, but was that we got Noel first and then Carter and Wright came in on top of that, right? Yeah, I think so. I think that's how it kind of all scrambled together. Because, like, with – because that's pretty much all they had. Oh, mm-hmm. no, and then um, – what's his name? Uh, who's the dude from O'Day? Or did you already mention oh, his Michael name? Oh, Michael Carter, yeah. Yeah. And and uh, what was the other guy that that, that – that didn't come oh, in. Oh, yeah. Um, he went to West Seattle. Nate Pryor? Was that his name? Yeah. Yeah. And that was weird because, like, I could see him sitting behind the bench, like, in the first couple games, you know, like, just mm-hmm. where, like, where all the recruits sit. Yeah. But apparently he didn't have, like, the grades to get in, so I'm not sure what his status is. Yeah. <laughs> he'll, he'll turn up at, at uh, like, Seattle Pacific next year or something like that. I know, right? Yeah. Um, 
the 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 kind of elephant graveyard for for guys like that in the city <laughs> but uh yeah yeah i think with with hopkins one thing i was i was gonna bring up is like yeah you know you mentioned the article i talked about how we finished top of the conference in adjusted defense which is crazy for how bad the defensive teams that the you know the last few years of romar were um but i will say and it almost made the piece but it, it was it was too it was too much of a, of a hopkins puff piece to make it in was how late in the season in games they started talking about how Matisse Thibel had to tell Hopkins to put him at the top of the zone. Uh, what? Like that is such an obvious yeah. place <laughs> wait, for, wait. for Thibel to play that that your own player had to convince you uh, to to put him there. That was that was not a good look for Hopkins. No, definitely not. Yeah, that that was my one flaw with with this with that whole setup was that him and Noel had to come to 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 uh, to Hopkins there. Um, I guess we can. We're probably going to end this whole thing talking about how how great Hopkins is. Uh, what's what's one thing that still drives you nuts about about UW basketball? Oh man, I think it's tough because I would say inbounds plays, but we actually pretty good at those. Um, but I felt like after that Arizona game, like everyone was super hyped, you know, and like we all were just mm-hmm. like going crazy. Hey, we should be ranked. But I feel like we get, we always get a little bit too ahead of ourselves. Yeah, you know. I feel like I guess I'm kind of talking more from like a fan fan perspective here, um, but just like how people were kind of mad that we didn't make it into the NCAA tournament. Which I mean, I was upset, but like think about like the guys we had on the, on the court all season. Right. Think about the expectations we had. Um, so I want to say there's anything that I was mad about, like the in terms of like our play. Like yeah, there's like still some frustrations, but that's I think once Hopkins gets his guys into his system, it's gonna look a lot better. Mm-hmm. You know, like you're trying one two three zone with with Sam Timmons. You know, like I love Sam. Like he's got a lot better this past season compared to last year. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I respect I respect Hopkins and the way he was able to coach Timmons, the way he's able to coach Green, and also yeah. like David Chris because like Green last year he still kind of does this uh, some points this season where he does like the pump fake and then jab step and not do anything. <laughs> like he'll have yeah. he'll have the shot and like he's considered a shooter. Like you just shoot it. Maybe just do that pump fake jab step and then pass. I yeah. did that all the time last year. This year, like you can see, Hopkins kind of gave him that green light. Um, kind of used him on defense where he kind of would uh, exceed that, you know. Mm-hmm. And then with Chris, you kind of already mentioned it, but he can definitely uh, get a lot of ahead of himself at times. But I felt like this year he's way more composed, way more of like a almost kind of like a leader. Yeah, they like kind of more of a, more of a point guard than he was last year in the past couple seasons, you know. Yeah, definitely. I think a defining moment of this year was after the well, the, in the entire Kansas game was nuts. I, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm sure you felt the same way, but but that game just kept going. I feel like that game felt like it was five hours long. Of like, oh yeah, I cannot believe this is happening over and over. Like every under every single like under four timeout, it felt like more and more preposterous in that game. Uh, so that itself was a big achievement. Like at the time, felt like one of the biggest wins in program history. But afterwards, when when Hopkins made David Crisp sit with him, oh that ta- that that awkward interview, with, with it was so awkward, <laughs> so awkward. Uh, like David Crisp wanted nothing to do with it. I, he didn't even have a mic. Like he couldn't really do anything with it. Um, that, yeah, that was that was probably the, that's probably probably one of my bad points of the season for sure. Yeah, I mean, who knows though? Like I, I guess we did get throttled by Gonzaga at the very next game. Uh, but it, it just kind of showed Hopkins, like, you could tell what he was trying to do of, like, all right, David, if you play like this where you have seven assists and you 
you know, driving, driving kick and, and, you know, driving dump off to Sam Timmons and get everyone else involved. And you don't worry about getting yours. Like, look how good we are. You can tell what he was trying to do. Uh, but yeah. it, just, it, it was too bad that, you know, a million people had to watch that. Yeah, that, that was super awkward. And then, yeah, then the next week we come out and get a bus kit by Gonzaga. So I think just that whole, like, consistency, like, I think, and Hopkins will probably get that under control here, like, next season, the years to come. Yeah. But I think just having that inconsistency is always frustrating for the dogs, you know? Like, oh, yeah, we we, we beat Arizona, and the next thing we know, we're, we're losing to, like, Oregon State, you know? Mm. I kind of want to go back and track uh, Hamir Wright's hairstyles throughout the year as to how we were doing. Like, what, what was our record? What was our record when he was when he had, uh, you know, like cornrows? What was it when he when he had the blowout? Like, what was your favorite version of Amir Wright's hair this year? I mean, like, I would say the dreads. I thought that was pretty sick. And then also, like, two other things I noticed was like the headbands, like with Matisse. Yep. Wait, Matisse rocked in. Green rocked a headband for like majority of the season. Yep. Like, I thought we were going to bring the headbands back. I'm like, okay, I can mess with that. You could tell. And then, I mean, those, those are the guys, because Romar was, like, anti-headbands. Like, IT, yeah. IT was a headband guy until college and then had to take it off. So they were just right. ready, they were just ready to go. Yeah, I mean, with him, him here, right, though, I would say that I, I, I thought the dreads was pretty sick. Not the dreads, the, the cornrows. Yeah. Um, I, And then he also, like, he always hiked up his shorts a little bit way too high. Yeah, and, they, and, and as, like... You know, you and I are both skinny guys. Like, we got the bony knees. You know, yeah. When you get the bony knees, like, that's not really what you want to I was like, is this, off. like, some kind of phase that, like, kids are doing nowadays? Like, the super high shorts, whatever. You do you. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, what was your favorite hairstyle? I I think I think we ended up on a good place with Hamir Wright with just kind of the unpredictability. Like, I, I, think, <laughs> I think he's our Ben Wallace of, like – you know, it might be a throw one game. It might be it might be the tight braids. He should have gone tight braids half, and then half just let it go. Yeah, that's that's in play. That's in play. He's got a long career. He's he's gonna be he's gonna be a four year guy. So so um, I don't know. That might be my my next research project is looking at record record by Hamir Wright's hair. Check out his stats. Make sure, just have all that stuff on deck. <laughs> I know what his stats are. It's like it's like uh, you know one one made basket three rebounds and a block every single game <laughs> that that part like doesn't he, change i feel like he got screwed in the offense like offensive set so many times in the season like the clock the clock shot shot clock be going down like five four and they're like screw it let's just pass it to him here and have him throw it out there you know yeah yeah like david chris dumps it off and he kind of like like skips back to the top of the arc and he's like all right let him work and it's like this, <laughs> this might be the worst worst possible player to go iso he's got his back to the basket like is trying to pass up until the very last second um, he had a couple he had a couple nice threes uh, throughout the season yeah you could never really tell if he was a good shooter or if in those moments he just made the shot um so i i like him right i like the idea of having a stretch four um darnell gant my guy i love i love having those type of guys on on the team mm-hmm. um i think he'll play into that i think he was he was kind of overmatched this season especially rebounding like he get like the the re travis did some some awful awful oh, things man. to uw this year and all, all those oregon guys that look like they've been lifting weights since they were like three years old yeah and then, then next year they have bobo coming in that's really interesting yeah i just told my dad about about how manute bull has a kid and he's really good and uh, that was that was a big. You could tell, like my dad, my dad was like, "Oh, I feel I feel old." <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. That M- Manute has a kid. Uh, I mean, that's that's gonna be us here, like when, like when LeBron James kid is in the league. Like when LeBron James kid, D Wade's kid, Chris Paul kids all in the league. I'm like, oh my gosh, you'd be kidding me. I'm gonna I'm gonna make my my kid uh, eat some 
you remember the pink lemonade bubblicious bubblegum LeBron? <laughs> yes. I'm gonna make my kid if I don't know if I'll have kids by then, but but regardless, like the LeBron fascination, because uh, it, it, I don't know that that's a that's a subject for a different day. But no, yeah, uh, that's a whole another podcast. <laughs> we are gonna feel old. I already do often. Um, and speaking of which, as we're talking about the the guys coming in, how much of uh, how much of the the incoming freshman class for you, Dub Elijah Hardy, Jamal Bay, Nate Roberts, how much of them have you have you kept up with? Um, I watched a couple of, like those like hi- the, like highlight films like Hardy and um, Bay. I haven't looked at the the center. Yeah, he. But uh, then I mean, he's good at cherry picking. I've I've seen him. He's he's, <laughs> he's really good at at, uh, at maybe getting a block and then not running across half court and then just getting a dunk. So pretty much like just like the mellow ball, just never go back on D. Yeah, yeah, he's he's gonna be, he's destined for Lithuania. But I think <laughs> I think all these guys are definitely Hopkins type of players, you know. Mm-hmm. But, but I think the I think the 2019 class would be probably his, one of his most important class coming in, like wh- wh- whoever they can get. Cause I think there's a couple of local kids who are gonna be pretty filthy, mm-hmm. yeah. um, like that PJ Fuller kid. Yep. Yeah, we were talking about this uh, over text a couple weeks ago. Just yeah, kind yeah. of like Seattle always has that kid, like like just you know the the kid that kind of um, is a national recruit, probably plays for Beach, Franklin, Garfield, uh, you know, one one of those three usually. Um, national recruit ends up you know at play, probably playing at Louisville, uh, <laughs> but uh, if you can if you can get those year after year. And then just kind of fill in after that, then you're then you're in a good and you're in a good spot. Uh, so you said mentioned PJ Fuller. Um, who else? Who else is coming down the pipeline in Seattle? Yeah, and then there's a kid from O'Day. I can't think of his name. I think it's like last name is Williams. Mm-hmm. And then there's a there's another McDaniel's at Federal Way. Supposed to be pretty fil- pretty filthy. I think he can fit Hopkins. Uh, fit just because he's lengthy. You is know, that the kid That's that averaged like twelve blocks a game or something like that. Uh, I don't know his stats on top of my head, but I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. But his yeah. his his older brother goes to San Diego State. He's oh, actually playing. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. It's it's uh it's good. I mean, I think even from a from a you know watching the games perspective, I don't know if if it's in the the notes that that UW hands uh, the broadcast team, but it's always like you know this team has eight players from the state of Washington, and you can tell that 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 is a point that they have made uh, going forward of of keeping that local pipeline. Yeah, and I'm also interested to see like how they recruit like on the East Coast now. Like, I mean, the way he he brought in Naz and Hamir, like, I think that's been really interesting, you know. And then also like Dave Rice has like that whole like Las Vegas pipeline as well. Yeah, if uh, for, of the freshmen, Naz Carter and Hamir Wright, which one are you rooting for? Like, if I told you only one of them is going to be really good, which one would you prefer is really good? All right, so I'm choosing Nat, Naz Carter because then that means Jay Z probably wants to come up and see him. That means Beyonce wants to come up with Jay-Z to see him, probably courtside, and that'd be my chance to take Beyonce from Jay-Z. So this has nothing to do with Husky basketball. It's just, it's a, it's... Yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be completely selfish on this one. <laughs> As you should. I mean, there's things you gotta think about. Uh, <laughs> no, but for real, I think, I think it will be Nas Carter. I think, I mean, he's Ozzy, he's got the dunks on lock. Um, I think if he can kind of get more of a jump shot, maybe, you yeah. know, so it's not just like that high flyer. Um mm-hmm. But I think, I think Nas could be, can be, can be the next guy. Yeah, Nas could be really good um, playing at the top of the key, uh, top of the the arc in the zone. He's so athletic and kind of jump in those lanes. He's not, he's not like, 
as agile as Matisse Thibault or as long. Uh, mm-hmm. But he's just he's so strong and he's so 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 jumpy that that you gotta figure he's gonna be involved. Um, yeah, I, I I think both those guys are off to, to really good starts. The entire team coming back next year bodes well. I hope that that uh, you can maintain all of this without any transfers. Should be able to considering that um, I don't know how many years of Noel we have left, but Timmins Thi- or Timmins Thibault, Dickerson and Crisp will all be and Dominic Green will all be on their way out uh, next season. Or after yeah, then, I mean, do you think College Johnson transfers this season? Because like that whole, I mean, that whole thing is kind of weird. <laughs> well, as weird as Carl, like we saw Carlos Johnson get on the on the court, and we're like, okay, like you know, you can still go get uh, double figures in a Pac-12 game. Harold yeah. Harold Baruti is the guy that we all really, really got to talk about. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that you could tell, like you know, like when Ho- he plays on the Hoodie bench. Harold. Hoodie, hoodie and sweatpants. Like, he knew he wasn't coming in. Oh, yeah, for sure. He, he's wearing, like, flip-flops in the game. But I do respect it because he was always, like, one of the first guys off the bench. Like, he was always cheering everyone on. Right. So, like, he definitely knew his role in the bench mob, which I respect. Um, but which, like, I was but like, you know he's looking he... at Montana's roster next year. Thinking, <laughs> That's where I'm going. I was like, why you got to keep your hoodie on and your sweatpants on, dude? Yeah. He, that, I think Harold Baruti, that was one of those polite things of, like, Hey man, we will we will write you the best letter of rec possible, but uh, we kind you kind you gotta get out of here. Yeah, uh, and, I, and forget, I forgot about him, Carlos Johnson. I think from for his purpose, like you would gladly keep that guy around because because he he you know he's good people. You want him. Yeah. Although I will say he liked. Uh, I could see he retweeted a tweet at halftime this season. Not not chill. Um, <laughs> <laughs> did he really yeah that was uh god what game was that that was like maybe the Oregon game and i was looking at twitter at halftime and there was like a retweet from gbm los and i was like oh <laughs> uh that's too bad um but maybe that was him him kind of like trying to force his way out but yeah he he's a guy that like for all intents and purposes go go get yours go get 15 shots a game playing at pepperdine honestly that'd be a great that'd be a great match lorenzo romo yeah. would, would kill for that if, to have a uh, a, a chucker like like Carlos Johnson, yeah, definitely. I think so. I was thinking, so I was a pretty big not Syracuse fan, but like a big East fan back in the day. Oh yeah, and so with Syracuse, like they always had like that one white guy, you know, like you, yeah, Devendorf, uh, McNamara, Devendorf, McNamara, who who uh, Hopkins rec- recruited. I didn't know that. Like he, he's like the reason he went Syracuse. Yeah, him and Kim um, Ward. They had what recently that Kevin Cooley guy or something like that. Uh, I remember Brennan Trice back in the day. Oh, uh, he was, well, okay. He was like, he's he's more of a light skin, but yeah, we'll give it to him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then they had yeah they had Brandon not Brandon they had I think it's Kevin Cooley. Yes, you're right. Up. You're right. Yep. Jack Cooley. And then that oh Jack Cooley. And then also had someone else. Tyler Lydon um, was was the 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 white center who's not going to do anything in the NBA. Yep. And then uh, I think it's like Andy Rottens. Rottens. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, what if I mean the what if you dub guy that kind of guy? That that might be the next step. Um, and and it's too bad Kingma's reign is over because <laughs> I, I, I I it's too bad. It's too bad with Danny. Yeah, he, he had a, he had a good run though. He did. He did. Uh, we just need we just need Ryan Appleby reincarnate. I think peak Husky basketball was peak Ryan Appleby going off for for five made threes in the first half of the Oregon game after Derek or Aaron Brooks punched him. That was, that was like the, I think we lost that game, but it didn't matter because that was, that was the coolest goddamn thing ever. 
if we can, yeah, if we can bring back Brian Appleby. Like has t has t shirt under his under his jersey. Yes, has the long shaggy hair. Yep, that would be that that would be awesome. That, that's S- how I know Husky basketball is back. Swimming in his jersey. <laughs> Yeah, that, that we we need you need just guys like that, and we we don't have that. Like Dominic Green is great, and I think he kind of <laughs> had an incredible peak for like a month there, and then the oh rest of the gosh, season, yeah. we, kind of, we kind of figure out what we have with Dominic Green. Came Pro- back, he came back down to earth a little bit. He for, he totally did. Um, because at the beginning of the year, he was he was not good, and so bringing it like seeing what he ended up doing against Arizona and USC was great, uh, but it was kind of like an out of body experience. So eventually, you know, that's the thing kind of talking about the program stuff is is those guys just get like that same role exists over and over and over, but it just becomes mm-hmm. better and better versions of that same role. Yeah, do you know what happened to uh, – there's another commit. So like after when Jalen and Hamir and all those guys joined, Ed Chang. Yeah, Chang. He's like from – because he was like from Iowa, and then he came up here to go to Garfield. Nebraska. Something like that. Nebraska, yeah. Or Nebraska. So, is I think- he still – he uh he so he was supposed to be in this upcoming class. I think he is now in the in that kind of like reclassifying. Maybe, oh, okay, maybe okay. people are like, uh, I don't really know if you did any whole school stuff in Nebraska. So we're gonna gotcha. We're gonna we're gonna add some credits to your to your transcript here. But I, I I don't know. But I think he's he's definitely still on like the commit um, type of things. But yeah, I, I like Ed Chang. He's first of all, I mean the the hangover Chang gif. Is, is right there every, t- every time he he does anything. Um, so I got that queued up, especially with the Gift GIF app. Right, put that face. Oh on yeah, that. I, I put you on that one. Yeah, that was that was huge. Um, that I I don't know. I think my my life has just gotten so much better after that. We get they need more gifts on the Gift GIF app though. I know. Yeah, they need to update it more regularly. Yeah, it's uh we're getting there, but but you know we're on the we're on the ground floor. Maybe maybe this this gets sponsored by Gift GIF. Hey, yeah, yeah. Do you, do you have any ads yet? Not yet, not yet. I'm, I'm soon I'm pitching it to, to Chipotle. Rainier's been talking to to me, uh, <laughs> trying to get their pro. That's all I want. I just want, I just want Rainier back uh, on the. Are East you gonna, side. are you gonna release your uh, your bingo card for the game coming up here? Bingo card is coming out. Yep, we'll we'll get off off the pod here, and uh, and that will come out. Um, that was that was a lot of fun this year. Is is putting those together. Um, I think we got to work on kind of the the iron tight drinking rules that come with those. <laughs> no, yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's a lot harder for for professionals to to uh, you know just destroy ourselves on a on a Thursday night like it other than it used to be. But yeah, good, yeah, go to Friday. What happened to you, Husky basketball? You know, Husky basketball, man. Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, I I don't know. I think I think just the, the the sheer nature of wanting to stay up for the for these games this year for me at least on the on the East Coast and and oh, that's stuff, right, yeah. do stuff like that. Like, I mean that that's just the sign of of like I, I kind of got there the other or a couple years ago with with Chris and Murray, um, just for how fun those teams were. I mean we we'd lose like eighty nine to eighty one every single game, uh, but you you just kind of once you have it you it becomes must see television again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so expectations for next year with the dogs. I mean, got to get to attorney, right? Yeah, I, I think I think we definitely make the attorney. I'm gonna say it right now, I think we definitely make it top um, what, top what seed? Top top seven seed? Top top five? Yeah, I think that. I was thinking between that seven and nine range. Okay. Okay. Um, but I think I'm excited for the Hardy kid. I think he can be pretty legit. I'm also excited for Carter Williams. Or is that yeah? It's Michael Carter Williams, right? My, well, Mike, Michael Carter, Michael Carter Williams, Michael, is, 
The, the, oh the, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking. I'm getting. I'm getting the Syracuse guy mixed up. Yeah, the guy yeah, who Michael looks Carter extremely too. similar who used to play for. <laughs> um, I think those. I, I mean, I love Chris, but I think I want to see more of a point guard kind of there. I feel like Elijah. Not, he, I mean, at least according to his highlights, he looks like a natural point guard. But you never know how like the whole high school to college transition goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Dixon's gonna be a monster next year. Yeah, I think Matisse. Yeah. Hopefully, I think Matisse will add some more offensive firepower to his game. We we talked earlier about the most frustrating part of this season, and it might be when Matisse Thibel beautifully gets all the way to the cup and then does the absolute oh, wrong wrong thing at the at the rim. That that He's, is. He- he can, literally just dunk, he can literally just dunk it in, you know? Yeah. He just, like, tries to do, like, a little jelly fam, like, finger roll. I'm like, dude. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's he, always frustrating. He's in his head at the rim, for sure. Even the even the reverse he had against OSU in the in the, the Pac-12 tournament, I was like, that's great, but you could have just yammed it from the front <laughs> easily, uh, and you make it hard, and then you, you end up missing reverse dunks as a result of it. So mm-hmm. um, that has got to be his, his number one thing. And then just, yeah, like, when he hits threes, it's beautiful. It's just, you know, I think it's just a consistency thing. So so we'll get there. But, yeah, Noah Dickerson has just, like, he is he is Carl Malone in front of our eyes. Uh, the, the fact that, I mean, like, when he played against Arizona, I was I was shocked. Oh, my God. I, th- I thought like, Aiton was going to take his lunch. Yeah, I thought Aiton and what's the other, like, Roostick or whatever. Roostick, yeah. Both seven, like, seven, two guys. I'm like, no way we're going to, no way we get any points in the paint. And yeah. Dixon goes off, like, what, Dixon had... 20 points that game Noah Dickerson was the national player of the year at 6-7 or national player of the week at 6-7 against two NBA seven footers uh in the biggest game of the season so yeah he, that that was, got that it. was crazy yeah yeah that was <laughs> that was uh that was huge he's he, he might end up with with number 15 up retired in the rafters if we make a tournament oh, this year. okay okay uh, I don't know about that listen listen I mean like I don't know I think if if it's like the the rebirth of husky basketball uh, you know, we, we get 25 wins next year. I could see it happening. He will always, he will always look like Leslie Jones to me. <laughs> I can, I can never take that out of my head. I got like every time they show, I just laugh. It's official. You've, you've put it out on the public airwaves. It, that yeah. used to just be a text thread thing, but, but it's, uh, no, yeah, it's, it's out there. Pull, pull, pull a picture of Leslie Jones when you're watching Husky basketball and you will be like, yep, that's Leslie out there balling. I agree with you, but you said it, not me. Just, <laughs> just, Noah listen to this podcast. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It might it might matriculate. I think Noah's the type of guy who might might laugh unless unless he has four fouls. Then he's not laughing. Then he's super True. pissed off. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But all right. Well, it's uh, once Leslie Jones comes up, it's it's officially time to to call it a wrap. Um, you uh, thank you so much for coming on. It was it was a long time coming. Finally finally got you out of the the turtle shell. Coming on doing uh doing what you were put on this earth to do is talk about Richard Sherman. Yeah yeah. This is fun. And oh, we never talked about Meek Mill. Oh yeah, real quick. Do you think that story was real? That Mike Hopkins knows Meek Mill. I I mean I could see it because I mean the only way we're gonna find out is we gotta call up his son and see if he actually called his son if he actually talked to Meek Mill on the phone. True. I was just gonna say we should call up Meek Mill, but that's that's probably way easier. We, we got yeah we probably saw, we probably hit up Meek real quick. Yeah, I mean if we if we say that we're gonna post bail, then that that might. <laughs> that might I just kind of I just can't see in my head like Hopkins sitting in the studio with Meek Mill and his manager. Just like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what they're doing other than bumping music, but I can see like, I can see uh, Hopkins just like sleeves rolled up, just just bobbing his head back and forth, you know? Yeah, yeah. He could be like, oh, this is fun. Like he has yeah. no idea. This is fun. 
oh oh this song is fire yeah this is flames this is flames <laughs> yeah is this is this what what emoji should i be using right now? <laughs> yeah uh and then hopkins gets up and hits the whip hits the nene or something we need to get mike hopkins on the uh the, the buzz williams you know who i'm talking about the the virginia tech oh, gosh, coach. yeah yeah his uh his hair plug game is on fire because buzz williams is fully <laughs> fully bald like two years ago and is now looking like freaking wayne rooney out there so yeah and he's got that beard going too yeah he's totally reinvented himself um hopkins mm-hmm. might not be that type of guy and, and i think that's why we love him so much but uh the, what he's got going up top is is truly unfortunate it's like a crescent moon up there <laughs> so that's uh, that's you know, work on Matisse Thibault's layups and and hair plugs for Mike Hopkins and and we should be good. And we're, and we're definitely turning bound. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's Pac-12 champs right there. <laughs> All right, sir. Uh, good talking to you. And uh, what do you, what do you got tonight for the uh, the Boise State game? I think it's gonna be one of those close ones where the dogs make a late run. You know, and also shout out to Heck Edge, shout out to the Dog Record. They're like that place is super loud this year. And yeah. I think we pulled. I think we pulled out the end just based, just because of the crowd. I think even though even I, though it's finals week. I think you and I both know who we need to shout out for for getting the UW crowd back. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you say it. Yeah, Zoe Gano, it, it's all you, all you for for this magical <laughs> run. Not not Pac-12 Coach of the Year. It is it is Zoe Gano. Facts. Facts. All right, sir. Uh, take it easy tonight. Yep, I'll get you my NCAA training team in a little bit too. Yes, sir. I got yes, some. Sir. I got some Cinderellas. Join the pool. Join the pool. It's 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 a it's a dope pool, right? No, yeah, definitely. I'm excited for it. Yeah. Uh, Let's go, right. Penn. Let's go, Penn. Right? Yeah, Penn. Uh, the the Baltimore school that no one's ever heard of. <laughs> UMBC, baby. Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, all right, buddy. Take it easy. Yep. Thanks, man. Once again, that was Zach Peggins. Uh, I didn't work up the courage to tell Zach that I still spell his name with an H on my phone after all these years. Uh, probably would have been a much more somber podcast if I had done that. Anyway, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Peace.